world is already hostile toward God. We know this. Jesus actually told us this, and he, he made it very clear, John chapter 15. He said, if the world hates you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love its own. Yet because you're not of this world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. I mean, Jesus made it abundantly clear that, that because we are not of this world and because we follow Christ, the world is already hostile against us. And then the very next chapter, John 16, Jesus said these words. He said, these things I have spoken to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. So do you hear what the words that Jesus is using here? He's telling us right up front, listen, you're in a hostile culture. You're not only in a hostile culture, you're in a hostile world. But in me, listen to these words, you have peace, you can have good cheer, and you can overcome the world. So in Christ, there is incredible hope. There is great hope in Christ. So how do we make sure that we have this peace? How do we make sure that we have this good cheer? How do we make sure that when we have threats made against us, how do we make sure that when things seem harsh, how do we make sure that in a hostile culture that doesn't care much for God and certainly doesn't care for Christianity, how do we make sure that we have peace and good cheer and overcome the world? Well, we focus on the same things that Daniel focused on. We make sure that we don't focus on the tribulation, but rather we focus on the same things that Daniel did. So let me give you key point number two, and then we'll unpack it and continue down the passage. Key point number two this is this. In a hostile culture, believers must respond with wisdom, prayer, and worship before taking action. Now, this is hard for some of us, right? It is hard for some of us to seek wisdom, prayer, and worship before we take action, right? Because a lot of times, what do we, you know, somebody, somebody threatens us, you know, hey, I'm going to be, I'm on high alert. I'm, I'm ready to get right back in their face, right? I mean, I'm ready to, you're, you pick the fight, right? And we're ready to buck up. We're ready for the chest to move, move out, and, and we're, we're ready to, to take someone out. And that's hard for, for, for those for those people that are quick to respond and just, you know, all right, nobody's going to treat me that way. Nobody's going to threaten my family, right? You buck up. But look at, look at Daniel. This is not what he does. And there are some personalities that are going to struggle with this, and I get that. But let's look at Daniel. Let's look at what he does and how he responds. We'll pick up verse 14. Then with counsel and wisdom, Daniel answered Arioch the captain of the king's guard who had gone out to kill the wise men of Babylon. Did you hear that? He's already taking the order, and he's taking, he's, he's the executioner. He's, go, okay, the king said it. I'm going out to do it. I'm going to go out, and I'm going to kill all the wise men of Babylon. He answered and said to Arioch, the king's captain, hey, why is the decree from the king so urgent? Then Arioch made the decision known to Daniel. So Daniel went in and asked the king to give him time that he might tell the king the interpretation. 
Now let's camp out there just for a moment. It seems, I don't, I don't know how much time has gone by. It seems like because of the pace that Daniel is writing, that it's like it, things are moving fast. And undoubtedly they are. I mean, Arioch is already out. He's, he's ready to execute the men just simply because the king has already decreed it to be so. So he is, he's already out making this happen. But however much time has passed, we can at least know this, that at least some time has passed by, even if it's just an hour, even if it's just, just a little bit of time, because King Nebuchadnezzar seems to have cooled down a little bit. Because if you remember earlier, he escalated really quickly. I mean, these guys were standing before him and saying, well, just tell us the dream and then we'll tell you what it means. And he's like, no. And then they ask him again and he is furious. He is outraged and he says, okay, that's it, off with your heads. And then Daniel comes in and has the exact same request. Hey, I would like to have some time. And at this point, King Nebuchadnezzar seems to have cooled down. I think that's a good lesson for us, especially those of us who are quick to buck up and ready to respond to a threat, that sometimes just allowing even a little bit of time for someone else to cool down before we go in and confront, even if we're coming in with the exact same request that someone else did, just having them, giving them enough time to, to cool down just a little bit. Verse 17, then Daniel went to his house and he made the decision known to Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, his companions, that they might seek mercies from the God of heaven concerning this secret so that Daniel and his companions might not perish with the rest of the wise men of Babylon. So do you see, I mean, you see how quickly it's like, all right, so he's now given the time, Daniel's leaving, he's going and talking with his friends, and he, he goes and he shares this information with his friends. His friends are like, okay, let's pray about it. So Daniel shares this with the purpose of getting his friends involved that they might pray. So Daniel has already, number one, responded with wisdom. He knew when to go to the king. And then in his response, his very first point of action is to involve others in prayer. Why? So that their lives might be spared, that they might not perish with the rest of the wise men of Babylon. Verse 19, then the secret was revealed to Daniel in a night vision. So again, it just seems like now all this stuff is happening so fast. The Lord's already, by 19, the Lord's already answered their prayer. He's already given them the answer. So Daniel blessed the God of heaven. Daniel answered and said, Blessed be the name of God forever and ever, for wisdom and might are his. And he changes the times and the seasons. He removes kings and raises up kings. Listen, his prayer acknowledges that God has revealed the dream and its meaning. He's already he's actually acknowledging that in the prayer because he, he hints toward what the dream is going to interpret, and that's talking about kings and that God removes kings and raises up kings. Do you realize how incredible—I mean, think about it. Charlie and I were talking about this just, just yesterday. How incredible is it that in March 2019, we were mapping out a sermon series that on this day we're going to teach on Daniel chapter 2 
about the transition of power <laughs> from one king to the next, from one authority to the next, and how do we respond to that? What do we do with that? And then look at what's going on around us. So listen to this. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to those who have understanding. Verse 22, he reveals deep and secret things. He knows what is in the darkness and light dwells with him. Daniel's prayer acknowledges that, that God is the source of wisdom. His prayer acknowledges that, uh, that God is the source of understanding and God is the source of secret things. And in verse 23, I thank you and praise you, O God of my fathers, you have given me wisdom and might and have now made known to me what we asked of you. For you have made known to us the king's demand. Now, Daniel and his friends have already been presented as men of faith and prayer. We saw that in chapter 1. We're seeing it play out again in chapter 2. So how do we think about these things? How are we to think about wisdom? Now, we, could, we will, and we don't have time today, but we will at some point, we'll do an entire series on wisdom, and we'll talk about the significance of this. But understand this. Wisdom is not the same as knowledge. Knowledge is information. Wisdom is the ability to discern the proper course of action with the knowledge that you have. God gave Daniel wisdom the ability to act in the proper way, to take the proper course of action. I would suggest this, that there are, there are two types of wisdom, what we would probably call human wisdom, and then godly wisdom. The type that we desire as followers of God is godly wisdom. We don't just want conventional wisdom. We don't just want the wisdom of man. We don't want human wisdom. We want a wisdom that can only come from God himself. And that's what Daniel was after, and that's what the Lord blessed him with. And then we see prayer. Godly wisdom doesn't come apart from prayer. You can't have godly wisdom void of prayer. If you want, if you want wisdom in your life, more specifically, if you want godly wisdom in your life, the scriptures tell, tell you, ask for it in prayer. You need wisdom, ask for it in prayer, and God will give it to you in abundance. He'll give it to you. It's a guaranteed promise of Scripture that if you lack wisdom and understanding, ask for it. God is ready to give it to you. And then that third part, worship. When God answers your prayer, you might be tempted to see his answer as the green light to go take action. But notice that Daniel pauses for worship. He doesn't rush right back to the king. That would be the ten that would be my tendency, right? As soon as I get the answer, I'm ready to take action. I'm like, okay, I got clear direction. I know exactly what this means. I know exactly what I'm supposed to do. I need to rush and tell the king ASAP. Daniel pauses to worship. Daniel seems to understand something that his his ancestors didn't understand. Daniel seems to understand that if God gave him the answer to the dream, he's also going to give him the time that he needs to get to the king and tell him what the dream means. 
he understood that, hey, if I call time out just for a moment to worship God, nobody's going you know, to come knocking on my door to kill me before I get back to the king. Daniel's ancestors never understood that. Daniel's ancestors were like, well, did God just bring us out of Egypt so that we could die here in the desert? You know, they were so pessimistic about everything. It was like, no, God delivered you from this situation and brought you to this moment so that something bigger can happen, so that something incredible, so that God's glory can be made known. And, and, and his ancestors never got that. Daniel seems to understand that. Daniel seems to understand, hey, I can call, pause, and time out just for a moment to go before the Lord in and, and prayer and worship him for giving me the answer to this prayer. And then I'll take action. Then I'll go and talk with the king. Well, we could learn a lesson from Daniel there. So Daniel did all three. He had wisdom. He went before the Lord in prayer. In fact, he even involved others in prayer. And then he expressed worship before headed back, heading back to King Nebuchadnezzar. 